0: Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast, your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Tigers in 20. I am your host and lead writer, Christian Fowler, and typically I am joined by GoTigers247 founder, Brooks Hansen, but this week he is sidelined uh, with some sickness, so joining me this week is GoTigers247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. Kenny, you excited to be here this
0: week? Yeah, man. It's it's interesting because normally I'm the guy behind the microphone or behind the camera, Um editing everything so this is a very unique experience for me actually being in uh, you know on the microphone here tonight but yeah I'm excited man it's gonna be a fun night um Brooks is uh Brooks is struggling but you know we had to step in and 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 keep uh keep the fans happy with our with the content that we're putting out
1: so like you said Kenny you're typically behind the camera. Uh, behind the microphones, behind the setup and everything. But this week, you are on the broadcast. You're going to be talking with us. And actually, on Saturday, you got to be on the field for Memphis first Ole Miss and the Tigers' 15-10 to 10 victory on the sidelines, taking video, taking pictures, taking in all the sights and the sound from a pretty exciting game. Kenny, that was your first game, getting the cover as far as the Memphis game. What was that experience like for you? Kind of walk us through uh, your Saturday and, and how everything went for you.
0: Yeah, it was surreal, man. Um, it was really, really a cool experience because you know, obviously, I think um, with it being the opening game of the year, uh, the Tiger fans came out in droves. I mean, Tiger Lane was incredibly packed. Um, the Tiger Walk at eight thirty in the morning was 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 pretty intense. I mean, it was there were so many people there, um, and so being down there on the field, I've been to. I mean, I'm from Memphis, so I've been to. Uh, hundreds of University of Memphis football games, but being on the field and being able to cover it was a was an incredibly unique experience because I got to uh, to see uh, the fans and to see the the intensity of the crowd um, while while being on the field. And I'm telling you what, Christian, it is loud down there. Uh, the fans were unbelievable, and the cool part for me was that you looked up. And there was just a small little spattering of red in the crowd on, on Saturday. It was, I would say, 85%, 90% blue. And that was really, really cool. And, yeah, so it was just a really fun experience down there, man. It was loud. Um, it was awesome, um, and I got to uh, you know just have a lot of fun down there.
1: Absolutely, you know, you hit on a couple key things there. It was definitely loud. You know, from up in the press box, the noise is muffled a little bit, but you can tell when a game is intense and when a game is loud. Uh, I definitely point back to the UCF game last year. You know, the thirty-one thirty victory for for UCF in their second half comeback, but that game was probably the loudest of last season, and this Ole Miss game was was right up there with that. Um, and Kenny, you did have an interesting run in with Patrick Taylor. Why don't you tell everybody about that real quick?
0: Yeah, so I was down there on the field and, and trying to get as close as I can, obviously with ABC and the, the ABC cameras there. Um, they, they had kind of pushed the media back a little bit, the photographers on the ground back a little bit so that, uh, the camera, the sideline cameras could go back and forth, run back and forth. Um, and it was re- actually really cool they, the, all those guys were incredible. They were, you know, everybody was working well, um, uh, trying to get the best shots for their organizations that they were working for. But, um, so I was standing on the sidelines and there was a play where, Patrick uh, got the ball. I think I can't remember if it was on a on a handoff or if it was on a screen pass from Brady off to the left towards the Tigers bench, and he caught the ball or or received the ball and started running up the field, and then kind of took a detour off to the left because off to the sideline so that, um, you know, to get out of bounds, and he headed straight for me, and I was filming. I saw him coming at me through my lens, my lens, my viewfinder. And I, I saw him coming. I was like, oh, my God. So I stepped to the left real quick and tried to grab him by you know with my right arm. That guy is a monster. Um, he is about as solid um, and big. I don't – I genuinely – I think I texted you, Christian, during the game and was like, I don't know how people tackle him. Um, if he lowers his shoulders – and and gets low and puts a hurt in, and, and just and creates contact with people I don't know how I don't know how they get him down to the ground. There's not I don't know if there's one person in this game that could that could take him down one on one. I mean he is just a big big man.
1: Yeah, and for those who don't know, you're a pretty big dude yourself. So it's not like it was me out there, you know, running next, running into Patrick Taylor. You're you're much bigger than me. So uh, I think that's that's a testament. Pa- Patrick Taylor six three two thirty. I don't I think you're exactly right. I don't think anybody wants to tackle that on a weekly basis or on a play to play basis at all.
0: No, I mean, absolutely not. I wouldn't. I mean, I I, I couldn't imagine just the the pounding that a person has to take um, every game when they get done tackling him. I I feel bad for the defense this fall as they've – been in fall camp and, or summer camp and fall camp and, um, you know, having to go the ones going against the ones and having to tackle that guy. But um, he is a, uh, he is a phenomenal player. And, um, you know, he, he definitely, um, you know, I think was, was hobbled a little bit this week, but um, really did a lot of damage out there on the field
1: well speaking of patrick taylor Kinney, on in in saturday's game he had 27 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown uh, and added four catches for 25 yards so he was huge in that win Uh, memphis had trouble uh passing the ball you could kind of tell that they were a little bit out of their elements uh and i think you know i I wrote this a couple times uh, since the game that what they were doing what coach mike norvell did with the passing game completely made sense i know a lot of people uh, we're not happy with Brady White's performance. We're not happy with the passing game. So if you go back and watch the film, what they were doing is they were rolling the pocket. And Brady White's not a rollout quarterback, but they were running the sprint right option and sprint left options to get him out of the pocket because they knew they were you know, overmatched up front because they're playing against an SEC defensive line. So it was a smart game plan it was smart in theory it didn't necessarily work you know they had a lot of screens a lot of intermediate and short stuff and and didn't get to see a ton from the passing game but the running game really really showed up uh Patrick Taylor like I mentioned 128 rushing yards Kenny Gainwell was you know what I've you know what a lot of people have been saying he was going to be since last year you know watching him last year Throughout practice, he just looked so impressive. But with the depth that Memphis had uh, in that running back room last year, they could not use Kenny Gainwell. There was no need to burn his red shirt. So to be able to have him this year with Patrick Taylor was obviously huge, especially in this game. He's a very dynamic athlete, you know, can run the ball, can catch the ball. And he really sealed the game for Memphis. You know, Patrick Taylor kind of got up a little bit gimpy and he didn't come back into the game. So Kenny Gamewell uh, on that last drive, that six-minute drive where Memphis bled the clock, uh, it was all him. I mean, he... Third and seven, he got a wildcat snap and got a first down, and then he had the big run on second and three where he slid down and bounced to really ice the game. So huge performance there. Uh, But, Kenny, before we move on, I really want to hit on this defense. I think that should be the focal point for anything, talking about Memphis and Ole Miss, because they absolutely dominated. Uh, Adam Fuller has brought a completely different scheme, the 4-3 scheme, uh, completely different intensity. This team looked, especially this defense. They just looked completely different. They were all over the field. They've done, they did things on Saturday that they, that they have never done under Chris Ball. They were, you know, running stunts on the defensive line, blitzing guys from. Uh, pretty much everywhere on the field, even Landry Thomas got a sack uh, off of a safety blitz, so the defense stood up, and I know Ole Miss isn't the same offense that they were last year with no A.J. Brown, no D.K. Metcalf, no Jordan Tayamu. so it wasn't the same offense, but uh, you would expect any Ole Miss offense with Rich Rodriguez as offensive coordinator to put up more than 10 points and 174 yards, but Memphis's defense did not allow that. Uh, they played well in the secondary, which they did not last year. Uh, the front seven was incredible. J.J. Russell was all over the field. Uh, O'Brien Goodson played very well until so he went down. Joseph Dorseus, and then the all-important safety from Bryce Huff to really ice the game and give the ball back to the offense. So uh, we just have to give a, you know, a shout-out to that defense and to Adam Fuller because uh, they really look like they could be one of the best defenses in the American this year if they continue at this pace.
0: I wanted to ask you a question, Christian, about the defense and how it impacted the offense. Um, do you think that I'm um, seeing? I mean, because it it was very clear, very quickly, that the Tigers' defense was playing at a really high level. Um, you know, the first two uh, offensive possessions for Ole Miss. I mean they they were they were uh, I think they had negative 15 yards within in the first two um, offensive possessions. Uh, do you think that um, that Norvell saw the way that the defense was playing um, in those first couple of in the first quarter, especially? And, and changed up his offensive scheme a little bit um, in order to, you know, knowing that, hey, this is probably going to be a low-scoring game? Well, I
1: think that's honestly the game plan that they came into the game with because they knew they wanted to run the ball. They did not want to give Ole Miss's offense a chance to get hot uh, because especially with, you know, a spread of offense like Ole Miss under under Rich Rodriguez with, you know, still having plenty of talent with Scotty Phillips, on Ely, Elijah Moore, uh, Octavius Cooley, so they still have plenty of talent. Uh, so I think they really wanted to run the ball from the beginning of the game uh, to be able to keep the ball away from Ole Miss. It was really a game of keep away the whole time. If you, you, know, you watch the game, you could tell that neither team wanted to give uh, the other team the ball back because they both were a little bit wary of the offenses. So I think that was the game plan the whole time. I don't think it necessarily changed, but the offense did. They, they executed well in the running game. Uh, the offensive line struggled a little bit in pass protection, but as far as the game plan, I think that was it from the beginning. I think they wanted to grind out the clock, uh, keep the ball away from Ole Miss, and play good defense, and that's exactly what they did.
0: So tell me about Kenny Gainwell a little bit. Um, I know that last year he had a couple of, of good games. He Was it he played four games, I think, last year so that he didn't lose his, uh, his ability to redshirt for that year. Um, but you've seen him throughout the summer, throughout the fall camp, throughout – Everything. Were you surprised to see the the? It seemed like there was a massive jump in in what he was able to do out there compared to last year. Um, I know Daryl Henderson isn't here this year, but were you surprised at how effective Kenny Gainwell was?
1: Not at all. Like I said, I've I've been watching Kenny since he came in last fall, and he just he looked like he grasped the game so well, which is rare for a freshman, especially someone trying to play a role like like tony pollard is the role that he was filling. so you're having to learn two positions you're learning that slot receiver uh and running back they they call it the tailback in the offense but you're really playing two positions you're playing slot receiver and running back uh so he really grasped the offense really quick he was a high school quarterback and as we know you have to be a smart player to to play quarterback at any level so he came in understood the offense especially in a Mike Norvell offense that's not easy but Kenny Gainwell picked it up they knew he was capable I don't think under different circumstances he would have redshirted last year say if Daryl Henderson wouldn't have been there or if they would have been you know if one of the running backs would have gotten hurt I don't think he would have redshirted last year because I was I think he was ready to go at this point last season it was just with having so many guys they didn't want to burn his redshirt so I was not surprised by his performance at all. I knew they wanted to get him the ball in space because he is a great playmaker. Uh, he really has great lateral ability, great vertical ability, great balance. There's really not too many too many negatives to Kenny Gamewell's game at all. So I was was I impressed? Yes, because you know, for him to come out and have 118 yards on 20 touches is is definitely impressive. But I was not surprised because he is that caliber of player, and I think he showed, uh, uh you know, a national audience the type of player that he can and more than likely will be at Memphis for the coming years.
0: All right, last question for me about football um, because I am I'm a basketball guy. I don't know. A, I didn't know a whole lot about the new players that were coming to the team this year. Um, Christian, you are. The 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 football guru of the Go Tigers two four seven team. Um, so I wanted to ask you one last question about one player, um, and it was uh, Leandre Thomas. Um, tell me about him. Like uh, he was everywhere, and he hit as a safety. He hits incredibly hard. Um, I know he he got that targeting penalty very early on in the in the first half, and and had to leave the game, but. Tell me, what can Tiger fans expect from him this year?
1: Well, I honestly think Landry Thomas is a player that has NFL potential, uh, especially when you think about he's barely played the position. He just switched uh, from corner to safety last – I believe it was last spring. So he hasn't been there for too long, a little bit over a year now, and missed eight or nine games last season. He did not play much last season. I believe he had that shoulder injury against Georgia State. So – There's not a ton of film on him. He hasn't played a ton, but every time he's been in for Memphis and played on that defense, he's played extremely well. Uh, I think a lot of their struggles in the secondary last year were because Landre Thomas was not on the field. And even on Saturday, it was a small sample size. Like you said, he got that targeting penalty and got ejected. But before that, I mean, he was everywhere in the defensive backfield, like I mentioned earlier, Uh, came on a safety blitz and got a sack. And the hit on Elijah Moore (laughs) was definitely illegal, but it's – that's what you want from a safety you don't necessarily want it to be an illegal hit you don't want it to be helmet to helmet but you want your safety back there flying around uh hitting people and and not you know making people not want to come over the middle of the field and I think that's something that he's added to his game now he wasn't this aggressive last year looked very aggressive in week one and especially with Sanchez Blake back there I think they make a um a great safety tandem and and I think Memphis' secondary could definitely take the next step you know, with those two guys back there, plus T.J. Carter, and hopefully they can get Chris Claybrooks back. But if not, they still have uh, Joey Bryant Jacoby, Pr- Jacoby Francis played very well. So the secondary is looking up, and Landre Thomas is a big reason for that. Uh, but, Kenny, with that being said, we're going to wrap up our Ole Miss versus Memphis discussion uh, and take a minute, take a break, and get a word from our sponsor before we return.
0: mayor of kingstown new season streaming june 2nd exclusively on paramount plus the chilling new original docu-series on paramount plus
1: why did he kill his family the answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie to the can model where desire
0: leads to deception
1: i ended up spending 12 and 15 thousand dollars a day It was
0: addictive I can't get you out. and obsession leads to murder who did this to your family you can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Christian. So this week it was announced that one of the biggest events in Memphis, um, every year in Memphis, um, it was announced this, this week that uh, Memphis Madness will happen on October 3rd uh, of this year. So tell me a little bit about uh, what you know about Memphis Madness and, and just how exciting it's going to be for University of Memphis basketball fans.
1: So, yeah, Kenny, just to recap, like you said, October 3rd is the date for March Madness. I know there's been a lot of talk about that every year. I mean, since since last year's season wrapped up, it was pretty much like, you know, when's, when's Memphis Madness coming? We need Memphis Madness now. So, the date has been announced. It will be October 3rd. Tickets will go on sale September 9th, which is this upcoming Monday. So, I'm, I'm sure that will be sold out very quickly, like I said, last year. It was a completely sold out event and there was a ton of hype surrounding the program last year, but even more so this year with the number one overall recruiting class, Penny Hardaway, Mike Miller, Cody Topper, Tony Madlock. So a ton of hype surrounding the program this year going into the 2019-2020 season, so I would expect another sellout. And as far as visitors, Kenny, there was a visit announced this week from five-star guard Jalen Green who said he would take his second official visit to Memphis October 2nd through the 5th. He actually took his first official visit to Memphis his junior year, September 13th of last year, alongside five-star RJ Hampton, who's now uh, playing overseas, and James Wiseman, who is now... um, you know proposed Memphis starting center for this year so uh, he's coming on a second official visit it'll be during Memphis Madness and then Chris Moore as well who was supposed to take his official visit August 31st which would have been this past Saturday for the Ole Miss game actually moved his visit uh, for Memphis Madness specifically so a couple of visitors announced already like me and Brooks have talked about over the past few weeks because I feel like we've hit on Memphis Madness pretty much every week over the past month there were definitely be more visitors I would expect Memphis to get just about you know every target for the rest of the way you know with um, with Maddie Sissoko already announcing his visit starting today starting on uh, Tuesday um, and Jaden Springer already announcing his visit later on in September I think any other targets that they're going after uh, will more than likely be here for Memphis Madness if they can get them on campus so that's just a quick overview we don't have a you know they're not a ton of details yet uh, it will certainly be a fun event like it is every year. Three point contest, dunk contest, uh, skills challenges with the men's and women's basketball team. So it'll be a huge event. I could pretty much promise you it'll be sold out. Uh, not going to take a guess on performers like, like some people like to, um, but I'm sure you know Penny Hardaway and the, the SIDs and the athletic staff will put together uh, you know some great performers and, and it'll be a spectacle like it always is.
0: So I want to ask you a question. Um there's going to be three different events going on um uh, basketball wise that night. Um they're going to there's going to be the skills competition, the three-point competition and the dunk contest. Um do you want to Christian Fowler, do you want to in September uh want to make a guess on who's going to win those competitions?
1: Ooh. That is tough, but yeah, that's. It sounds like fun. So, Kenny, I'll start with the dunk contest, and me and you have actually got to witness a dunk contest that Precious Achiwa and James Wiseman were both in at uh, you know, at the McDonald's All American events. They did a dunk contest before the game, uh, and you and I both got to watch that. So, I would assume. Uh, that both of those guys will be in the dunk contest alongside other guys. You know, obviously not sure yet. Boogie Ellis could compete. I mean, basically anybody on this team other than probably uh, Alex Lomax, who's not a known dunker, could compete in this dunk contest. I'm sure Jaden Hardaway would be in there. Ryan Boyce will be in there. So, I'm going to give my nod to James Wiseman just because of what I've seen him do in dunk contests uh, at the McDonald's All-American game. He jumped from the free throw line after like three steps, and he did all types of crazy dunks. But so did Precious Achiwa. I think that one could go either way. But my early, my early favorite, i want to go ahead and put my odds on James Wiseman. Three-point contest.
0: It was interesting, Christian. It was interesting at the McDonald's All-American game this past year. James didn't make it into the into the finals, and it was because he didn't cleanly dunk a dunk that a seven foot one player should not even be trying to do. But he made it look so effortless. The I think it was uh, Trenton Watford took the ball on the on the baseline. James was behind him. Trendon took the ball, dribbled once, tossed it off the side of the backboard, and James tried to windmill it from the side, from almost behind the backboard. And it went in, but it wasn't clean. But it's one of those kind of dunks that that you see that people forget sometimes that James Wiseman is seven foot-one doing that. The athleticism that it takes to move a seven foot-one body in that way is unreal. And so if he can perform and 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 cleanly dunk want that that dunk that we saw at McDonald's James Wiseman definitely can win the dunk contest oh yeah
1: I'm right there with you like I said I, I was impressed from what I've seen so that leads to him being my pick uh and then going on to the three-point contest I think there's three guys that could really compete for that and that would be Tyler Harris Boogie Ellis and Lester Quinonez that's a tough one. That really is a tough one. Those are three really good shooters. Uh, that I, And this is all off assumption. I don't know who's going to be in these contests yet. But uh, I would, you know, those are Memphis's three best shooters. So we'll just say that um, if they're in it, I'm going to take Lester Quinonez just because he, I think he has such a pure shot. But that one is such a toss-up because Boogie Ellis is a great shooter, Tyler Harris is a great shooter, and Lester is a great shooter. So I'm going to go with Lester on that one. And then skills comp. That one's tough too because that is the one where they do uh, men's basketball team and women's basketball team. Uh, I'm going to say that my two early favorites for that, definitely Damian Ball just because he is so skilled with the ball in his hand Uh, and Alex Lomax because he competed in it last year and did very well. So those are my two for the skills competition. I would say either ALO or Damian Ball uh, and whoever they're paired with. Like I said, they usually do that competition tandem with a women's basketball player. So Don't know who they'll be paired with. Don't even know if they'll do the competition. But if they do, uh, I would say either, I would either take Damian or Alex for sure.
0: Yeah. I think I'm going to have to agree with you on the three point shooting contest. Um, And I think the reason why is because um, Lester's shot has very little fat to it. Um, He doesn't, there's not a lot of movement to when he gets the ball to when he shoots it. It's very quick, very. Minimal amounts of movement of his hands in the ball. It just literally is at his chest, and boom, it's up. And he has a very, very, very clean stroke. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I think Lester will probably win it, um, but it's gonna be a. I mean, Tyler and Boogie, especially, they are, um, uh, they are incredible. Um, they are incredible shooters, and they're gonna be. They're gonna be right there with him. But I'd have to give my nod to. Uh, to Lester on that, and I'll agree with you on, on uh, Damian and Alex, I, you know, whoever they pair up with, with the Tigers, uh, with the, the women's players, but um, both those guys are, are incredibly skilled, and um, they're point guards for a reason. All right, Christian, so not only was last week the first week of Tigers uh, the Tigers football season, uh, but this Sunday, or actually starting on Thursday, but um, this weekend is the start of the NFL season. And it's really cool to be able to uh, to take a look at NFL rosters at the beginning of the year and see Memphis football players, former Memphis football players, littered up and down NFL rosters. I think the Tigers have uh, 12 former players that are a part of NFL rosters this year, um, which is really, really cool. And I know you wrote an article this week on Go Tigers 247. Uh, talking about specifically highlighting four players, you highlighted, um, Janard Avery, um, you highlighted, uh, Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, and, um, Anthony Miller. Um, so let's, let, I want to, let's talk about that a little bit, talk about this article and, and what you wrote and kind of some of your expectations for some of these former Tiger players that are going to be starting their NFL seasons this weekend.
1: Well, Kenny, I feel like I've said this 100 times on the show, and I might be showing my hand a little bit too much, but football season to me is the best time of the year. Uh, you know, I've been a huge NFL fan forever, a huge football fan forever. So this time of year is incredible. And like you said, man, being able to look at NFL rosters and see, uh, guys from Memphis and that went to Memphis playing in the NFL especially at a high level uh, is really cool and really a testament to this program because a few years ago you would not have been able to look at NFL rosters and see uh, NFL players littered all over the league so starting off I'm going to start off with the first player that will be in action and like you said we're going to focus on the four players from the last two draft classes um so starting off, I will go with Anthony Miller, who will be in action on Thursday night in the season's opening game. Uh, it'll be against uh, it'll be the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. And Anthony Miller had a decent season last year. He didn't I mean he didn't light up the world by any means, but had 423 yards and seven touchdowns, and you know battled injury throughout the year. So I think this season Anthony you know takes his game to the next level. I think he plays better this year if he can stay healthy. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky had a you know had a really good season last year and you know there's weapons around him Uh, former Iowa State running back David Montgomery in the backfield uh, has you know really caught a lot of headlines throughout training camp and that obviously helps the passing game if you can take some guys and and, you know get the defense to put players in the box so I'm going to give a week one prediction I believe uh, on the article for Anthony Miller I had six catches 60 yards and a touchdown. Um, not a huge game, but you know the very good way to start the season, and I think that is how Anthony Miller will start the 2019-2020 season.
0: Yeah it it was really it was really cool last year to see Anthony, um, especially during uh, in, in preseason camp. You would see if you go on YouTube, you could see fan videos uh, off their cell phones of Anthony making unbelievable catches in, in in preseason and and he got a lot of a lot of hype very quickly um up in Chicago about what about what the team was expecting out of him and and like you said he battled injuries all last year um had a good season um 33 receptions is uh you know for that team was good um are you expecting a much bigger year for him
1: yeah, absolutely am. I, they still have Allen Robinson, who uh, has has really been hot and cold as a wide receiver, had a couple big years with Jacksonville, um, and had a decent year last year with the Bears. Also Taylor Gabriel, Taylor Gabriel, Tariq Cohen, Trey Burton. So that Chicago Bears offense definitely has weapons, but I think Anthony Miller really can begin to separate himself now uh, and hopefully you know, be able to take that number two wide receiver role next to Allen Robinson or even take the number one, one wide receiver role if he's that good. So I do expect a leap. Um, and then moving on, Kenny will go on to Jannard Avery, who was uh, another draft pick from the 2018 NFL Draft of the Cleveland Browns. He really wasn't that talked about in the draft process. I mean, he had a he had a great pro day. Uh, He was good at the combine. He had a, you know, he had a great career at Memphis, but he really wasn't talked about. I think it's a measurables thing. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy, but he he was productive last year. Uh, When you think about some of the pieces that that Cleveland Browns defense has added, they they really are one of they're probably the most hyped team in the NFL now. Um, and so to see Jannard Avery on that defense playing a key part is really cool, especially next to guys like Miles Garrett, a former number one overall pick, Sheldon Richardson, a former defensive rookie of the year, um, Denzel Ward, who had an incredible rookie season, a, a guy they drafted this year in Greedy Williams. So that defense is loaded, uh, and my projection for Genard Avery this year is to you know have a, another productive year. I think he'll get more snaps this season. I think he's earned that. I think he'll be productive, and I think in their week one matchup, Against the Titans, I think he I think he gets five tackles and a sack. I'll give Janard Avery a sack for the first week. Moving along, Kenny, uh, I'll go to Daryl Henderson, who was not part of the 2019 draft. Obviously, after a huge, huge year at Memphis last season, so um, there's been a lot of mixed reports on Daryl about you know how much work he'll get and what he'll do this season because he does play with one of the premier backs in the league uh, in, in Todd Gurley, who's had a great career thus far. But you know, with with the knee concerns with Todd Gurley and and some of the things that have happened in his injury history, uh, that there's a lot of people from the Rams media saying that Daryl will get plenty of go at it this year. Todd actually did not play in the preseason, so it was mainly Daryl taking first team reps and everything, and he didn't look impressive in the preseason. I've gotten a lot of questions about this because he, I think he averaged like three yards a carry or something crazy like that, which is which is wild when you think about what he averaged in college, but. My response to that every time has been, you know, from watching, from watching what Sean McVay wants to do on offense and what he does in the preseason, he doesn't show anything in the preseason, so it's very vanilla. They're not, you know, they're not running their typical scheme. Uh, they really weren't running Daryl outside the tackles much, which I think any any Memphis fan or anybody who watched Daryl Henderson would tell you running outside the tackles. Uh, is definitely his strong suit. So I think when you get Todd Gurley in there, a full Sean McVay playbook, and then you mix Daryl Henderson in, I think he ends up having a pretty good rookie year. Depending on how much Todd Gurley carries the ball, and, and especially if you know if anything happens to Todd Gurley, I think Daryl Henderson will be ready to step in that role and uh, I believe I projected him for maybe 45 or 50 total yards. I don't see him having a huge week one, uh, but I do see him getting around eight to ten touches and, uh, and, and being able to make the most out of him because if he's in space, he can, he can definitely make plays happen.
0: Yeah, it's really cool to me that um, the, the four guys that you talked about, and we'll get to Tony in one second, but the, the four teams that all four of these players are on, there's a lot of stability there. You know, and 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 they're they're not on teams that they have to come in and um, automatically produce for the team for the for their team to win. And it'll give guys like Daryl, you know, guys like uh, Tony, um, even Anthony, another year to possibly just uh, get a little better and 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 start to understand the NFL game even more. Especially a guy like Daryl, right, who um, was so used to being able to, you know. Um, run off on defenses all day long in the in college um the team is the la rams are going to be good this year they were good last year they're going to be good this year and um it, i think i think it's going to give daryl a little bit more time to to get acclimated to the, to the nfl game and, and find his niche
1: yeah absolutely i mean it takes time as a as a running back transitioning from college to the pros on learning how to read gaps and and learning how to read blocks and everything so um, I think that does. I think you're exactly right there. Having Todd Gurley in front of him allows him to really learn the game, uh, allow him to let his blocks develop because he's so used to just being able to use his speed. And I think, you know, playing, like you said, on stable teams with stable rotations and, and good players all around you really allows you to develop your game before you go in and, you know, your baptism by fire and you end up losing confidence but last one, real quick, Kenny is Tony Pollard. Oh, I know.
0: You, hey, I know you've been excited to get to this one. So it's oh, uh. Not only are you a Tony Pollard fan, but you are also a massive Cowboys fan.
1: Uh, I kept that one under wraps for a long time, <laughs> but uh, sorry. J- no, 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 <laughs> no. I actually like. I, I think I said it on Twitter in the preseason game. I was like, you know, being a Cowboys fan and watching Tony Pollard is awesome. Um, so. So that is, that is what I was saving for last was to talk about him. So, you know, watching him in the preseason, he played very, very well, especially for a guy who did not primarily play running back in college uh, to watch Tony Pollard read gaps. And uh, kind of like what I was talking about with Daryl, you know, allow blocks to develop and, and see the holes and hit the holes uh, was very impressive. And for a minute there, it looked like he may be the starting running back week one, but there's been a lot of recent reports that uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he is back in Dallas now and is looking to get a deal done before the end of tomorrow so he can go ahead and start preparing to play week one against the Giants. So you know, in my projection article, I I even said I'm making these projections based off of the thought that Ezekiel Elliott will be playing on Sunday. Uh, So I think if if Zeke does play, I think Tony Pollard gets around 8 to 10 touches, much like uh, Daryl, gets around 40 to 50 yards. But if by some stretch of the imagination Zeke doesn't end up signing, Uh, and Tony is the lead guy I think I think 100 all-purpose yards will be pretty easy for him to reach with the touchdown just because um, playing behind that offensive line which is one of the best in the leagues and and having the preseason that he did I think if if there's no Zeke I think Tony Pollard will play well Uh, but obviously I think much like we were talking about with Todd Gurley and Daryl Henderson having a guy like Ezekiel Elliott in front of Tony Pollard helps him out a lot. Zeke is. You know a top three running back in the league who has led the league in rushing twice uh, since he entered the NFL in the 2016 draft. So to have a guy like that to really teach you the ropes and and show you how to show you how to work every day and show you how to come to work and prepare and watch film and, and you know overall just be able to be a running back, I think is very beneficial. And I think Tony Pollard ends up having a a good year regardless because the Cowboys. You know, with new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore have said that they want to use more pre-snap motion and, and you know, kind of use some different looks. And Tony Pollard fits that to a T. That's what he did at Memphis. He was a pre-snap motion guy, played in the slot, played in the backfield. So regardless, regardless of if Zeke is there or not, I think Tony Pollard does have a very good year, which should be exciting for a lot of Memphis fans because there's just more more and more talent from Memphis, from the University of Memphis, being pumped into the NFL every year.
0: Yeah. Last thing about Tony, cause we need to get out of here. It's we're, um, going way long, but I wanted to ask you, like, I'm, I am not a, um, I don't understand the X's and O's of football. Like I do basketball and like you do football. But, um, with Tony, I, I've, I've heard some people talking about, you know, describing his game, um, especially in the preseason when they've seen him line up, line up in the backfield the way that he has been, which is, which is he did not do that that much in at Memphis. And, Uh, what's been interesting is, is people have have expressed a lot of surprise at his ability at Tony's ability to, um, how he's so sneaky and navigates, uh, you know, finding the right hole, waiting for the blocks to come and, and, you know, like a, like a running back who's been doing this for years. Um, how surprising has that been to you, um, in the preseason watching Tony, knowing how he played here in Memphis?
1: Well, I think it's definitely surprising because, you know, like we've both pointed to, he was not a traditional running back at Memphis. I think the only game where you can point to where he really lined up as a traditional running back was in that Wake Forest game after Daryl Henderson had left uh, and you know had turned in his paperwork to the NFL and said he was going to go ahead and start preparing for the NFL Combine. So Tony only really played a true running back role in one game in his career. He did, I believe, he did go for you know right at a hundred yards in that game against Wake Forest. And then had a huge Senior Bowl, which propelled him to that. But with not a lot of tape and not a lot of film of being a true back, I think that is why it is so surprising because it it wasn't expected. Running backs not necessarily an easy position to translate to, uh, especially depending on offense. It's, you know you're having to read. Uh, offensive linemen you're having to read zones you're having to read uh, defensive linemen and gaps so you're having to read a lot of things as a a lot of things as a running back in the NFL so for him to adjust to that so quickly just speaks further about the staff and how they prepare their players and and how they get them ready for the next level as soon as they get into the program at the University of Memphis but Kenny with that being said like like you said a second ago we have run way longer than I expected tonight so uh way long yeah way long so final shots before we get out of here um, make sure to head over to the site gotigers247.com we are turning out a ton of content right now basketball football uh, you name it, it's coming out right now. There's a ton of news. We are in that sweet spot of of uh, football season starting and basketball recruiting really ramping up for 2020. So a ton of good stuff over there. Uh, like we said earlier, Brooks Hansen is a little under the weather. He is uh, he's pretty sick right now, so not as much. Uh, we miss you, Brooks. We definitely miss you, Brooks. So. He'll, he'll be back in the next couple of days, so watch for him on the VIP boards. Last thing before we get out of here, make sure to you know, head over to the podcast, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a like, leave a comment. Uh, we appreciate that very much. That helps us out a lot. But with that, Kenny, uh, you got anything else?
0: Man, I am good. Thank you for letting me do this, Christian.
1: Absolutely. Brooks, I'm still in your line this week. That's a wrap.
0: Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information.